Thank you, Pastor Benny and FCC for your wonderful welcome. It's great to be back in this wonderful house. Uh, just in case you don't realize, uh, in WA, you are living uh, in a piece of heaven on earth. Yeah. It really is. And you know, I, I just bring you greetings all the way uh, from Skyline Church uh, in Malaysia. Those of you who are here um, physically, those of you who are online, and your, your campus in the city. Uh, hi, all these guys in the campus of the city. I bring you greetings. It's great that we can all join together uh, this morning. Uh, wonderful to be in House of God. You know how, how wonderful it is. You probably don't know the rest of the world. They are, you know, in lockdown or emerging from lockdown at the moment. Uh, in many countries, uh, you actually cannot hug or shake hands. You know, in Malaysia, what we do is, you know, fist bumps, uh, elbow bumps, salams. And here, I come in, everybody hugs me. So good, amen. Uh, so don't forget to give us a handshake or a hug uh, after the service today. Praise God. I've been asked to speak on uh, living the missional life. So let me begin by telling you about a man called Danny Cahill. Danny Cahill was 40 years old. He was 45,000 US dollars in debt, and he weighed an astronomical 430 pounds. He sunk into depression as a result of all these problems, especially the debt, uh, isolated himself from his family, um, and, uh, you know, just went into depression, and they couldn't connect with him, but eventually, he was persuaded to go to a church meeting where Joyce Meyer was speaking, and uh, he heard these words, every time you try to run away from a problem, then it has a hold on you. It has a vice-like grip on you. And then something just went off in his head like a light bulb. He realized he was under bondage, and when he came out of that meeting, after giving his life, recommitting his life to Jesus, he decided to do something, firstly, about his debt. He took a second job, and week by week began to pay off his debts, so that at the end of the year, he had settled his $45,000 of debt, but he was still grossly overweight. Then he did something he had never done before, and this is why some of you may know this name, because he entered the seventh season of NBC's The Biggest Loser. Some of you have seen that uh, reality TV show before. And at the end of that year, in following the television follow cameras following him, he lost the, the, the most amount of weight. He lost an astronomical 200, I can't remember what it was, but it was 239 pounds he lost. You know, and that's hope for all of us yet. Somebody say amen. <laughs> uh, and you know, this was, he became an overnight sensation in the United States, became an inspirational, motivational uh, speaker. And this is what always attracts us. Uh, what always attracts us are things like this, big numbers, $45,000, 239 pounds loss in weight. Those are the big numbers. But I would tell you, these are not the numbers that really truly matter. The numbers that matter are these. One, two, three, four, five. Because before you can get to these big numbers, you need to go through these numbers. One, two. Before you can settle your $45,000 in debt, you need to settle $1, $2. Before you can lose that astronomical weight of 239 pounds, you gotta lose one pound, two pounds. These are the big numbers. Can somebody say an amen to me? Those are the big numbers. And today I want to share with you about living the missional life. Because living the missional life is not about big numbers. That you stand on a big crusade and get 10,000 people saved. That you are Reinhard Bonke or Billy Graham. Living the missional life is actually building relationships so that you win and touch one life, two life, 
three lives of the Lord. Somebody said amen to that. That's what living the missional life is. What is a missional life? The missional life is an intention. It's got three facets. It's an intentional life, number one. It's an intentional life that builds relationships, number two. And number three, it's an intentional life that builds relationships in order to share the gospel. These are the three facets of the missional life. Now, people often ask, uh, why do we need to be missional? Why is it that so important for us to be missional? And there are three reasons why we must be missional today. Because if we don't leave the, live the missional life, we will be accidental. We will be incidental in our relationship and accidental in the way we share the gospel. Let me just give an example of what it means. Supposing you are in your workplace right now, okay, in your workplace, if you are just accidental and incidental in your life, what will happen is that you'll go to work as a Christian and you will do the best you can, work hard, connect with everybody well, you know, get promotion, and you hope somebody will ask you some question about the gospel. You just hope. But if actually you are missional, you will go into your workplace intentionally. You will do all these things. You will work hard, you'll be kind to everybody, you'll be helpful to everybody, you'll, do, you'll work diligently, your boss will promote you, but from the moment you go into that workplace, you already know God has given you an intentional, missional desire to actually bring people to know the Lord in there. Somebody say amen to that? That's the difference. So when you go in with that, you realize that when you go in, you happen to be a Christian accountant or a Christian lawyer or barrister or whatever, a Christian teacher, you are a Christian first before you're a teacher. You're a Christian first before a barrister. That's what, you know what I mean? That's important. So when you go in, when, in, in that relationship, you're building up relationships intentionally. You're connecting with people with this one desire, that through your presence in that firm, in that company, in that institution, people will come to know the Lord. You are intentional. Everybody say intentional. You've got to say it more passionately, say intentional. I want you to be intentional when you go in. Why do we need to be missional uh, today? Well, I'll give you three reasons. Firstly, because it is the mandate Jesus has given to us. Firstly, the mandate of the great commandment. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. You shall love you know, your neighbor is yourself. This is the loving. This is the, 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 the God calls us to love, build relationships. And secondly, because of the Great Commission, that's part of the mandate. We shall make disciples of all nations. And God has married this together. Why is that? The mandate is based on grace. Why do we have such a strong mandate? Not just because it is a, a commandment or it's a commission, but because we are recipients of grace in our lives. The thing that has really changed our lives is that God whose opinion matters ultimately in the eternity of time, whose one opinion matters in this whole universe, has made and accepted us, has accepted us because of what his son, Jesus has done on the cross. Amen. And therefore, we are recipients of grace. This is the greatest news that anybody can bring. Because of that, that mandate lives in us. So that's the first reason. We're excited about this mandate. It has transformed our lives. And we know that this mandate is the answer to everything, uh, the, every, every need that there is in the world right now. That's the first reason why missional life is so important. Second reason why is simply this, because the public space has squeezed out all faith into the private space. You see, public space relies on public truth. And in public truth, you see, the public truth operates like this. It has no God in it. It cannot have God in it. And you know this very well. 
um, in a nation like Australia. You can't have God in a public, all chatter and all talk in a public space is godless. It is ruled by two gods, secularism and rationalism. And therefore, in the public space, everything that is uh, articulated there, and the public truth by which education, culture, media, arts, entertainment, politics, business, every bit of these institutions, it operates on public truth. Public truth has no God. You, you do not have any mention of God. It's totally secular. And the only way you can bring God into the equation is when you take relationships built in the public space into the private space, and then you're free to share your faith. And that's why we need to be missional when we're in the public space. Because if you're not missional, the public space will squeeze out every attempt by us to share anything. Here's the second, third reason why we need to be missional. Because the digital space today has cramped out, has locked out any kind of interpersonal relationships. Uh, you probably know that you know, the whole world has gone digital, more so because of the pandemic. Now, digital space connects us in incredible ways more than before. But digital space ultimately is not personal. It's not personal. And so we find people connecting on social media and digital space and you know, connecting with each other, but they have their private space, which they don't allow you in until they know you and trust you. So we have, for example, in churches today, because uh, what churches do is very much what, for example, FCC does. You have people who, are, we, we are broadcasting the gospel. People join us in our services, they watch us. And sometimes when they lead in the sinner's prayer to uh, give their hearts to Jesus, they give their hearts to Jesus, but they will never give us their details. They will never give us their, their connect, their connect uh, numbers. They will not do that until they know us and trust us. Why? Because they guard their private space. They're connected, but they don't allow you into the private space. So a missional life is this. A missional life is a life that bypasses the public space and the digital space in order to enter the private space and to break down distrust and prejudices through loving and caring relationships. For what purpose? In order to share the gospel. Somebody say amen. That's what, that's what the missional life uh, is all about. We enter into that space. And when we talk about a missional life, it's so important for us to realize that in this missional life that we are sharing uh, with, with others, that this missional life is, is a very powerful uh, life for us to go into. So that we know uh, God has brought us into a situation uh, where we need, we become agents of sharing the gospel. Now, we know that uh, when we go to a missional uh, space, many people will say to us, you know what? Uh, you know, maybe it's not important uh, to share the gospel. You know what? If people want to know the gospel, they will just come to us and ask us. And that's great. But we need to be a lot more intentional than that. You may have heard of this phrase, preach the gospel wherever you go. Use words if you must. Have you heard that before? That's actually said to be articulated by St. Uh, Francis of Assisi. Actually, it's untrue. St. Francis of Assisi never said that. And number two, and number two, what you must realize is that the gospel itself, in the Greek word kerygma, 
actually means proclamation. And there's no way you can actually articulate the gospel without opening your mouth. Somebody say, open your mouth. You need to do that. Many people say, you know, I'll just let my deeds speak for myself. You go to the New Testament. You go to the Scriptures. You will find that every time the gospel is shared, it is proclaimed. You open your mouth and share the gospel. Somebody say, amen. And so we must realize that the gospel needs to be shared. And it's shared when we actually have a relationship that's built up that breaks down the prejudices. And what is the modus operandi? How practically can we begin to share the gospel missionally? Well, let me bring you to uh, this uh, incident in Acts chapter 8, verses 26 to 35. The incident between Philip, the evangelist Philip, and the Ethiopian eunuch. You may know this passage uh, very well. And if you read this passage, you will find that there are three basic handles to the sharing of the gospel. The first is go near. The second is uh, overtake. And the third is open your mouth. Everybody say go near. Everybody say overtake. Everybody say open your mouth. Okay, let me read this passage for you. Uh, I'll start from verse 29. Then the Spirit said to Philip, go near and overtake this chariot. Go near and overtake. So Philip ran to him and heard him, and reading the prophet Isaiah, and he said to him, do you understand what you're reading? And the Ethiopian eunuch said, how can I, unless somebody guides me? And he asked Philip to come up and sit with him. So the eunuch answered Philip and said, I ask you, of whom does the prophet say this, of himself or some other man? Then Philip opened his mouth and beginning at the scripture, preach Jesus to him. Preach Jesus to him. Now, what is gonia? Gonia is when you, you intentionally take the initiative to strike up a relationship with somebody. At the back of your mind, is with intention of sharing the gospel at some stage in the future. May not be immediate, maybe in the future. You go and strike a relationship with, with somebody uh, and to share the gospel. And when, when we do that, when we go near, that's, that's what go near means. Now, people say, well, you know what, Pastor, I'm, I'm, I'm not an extrovert like you. I'm not an extrovert either. I know Pastor Benny and myself, we, are, we preach a lot, but we are not by nature extroverts. You know, we, we are well, introverts, right? A little bit, yeah. So, so you know, we, we need a lot of like, you know, to get out there and, and open a conversation like that, especially with somebody we don't know. Uh, but here's what the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit said to Philip, listen to the Holy Spirit. He said to Philip, go near. And then as we are led by the Holy Spirit, we will continue to go near. Go near is to take the initiative to strike a conversation, to build a relationship in order to overcome the prejudices and the defenses in order to get a chance to share the gospel. This is what Philip did. Now, who do we share this kind of uh, uh, gospel with? It can be all kinds of people. Firstly, our nuclear and our extended families can be people that we can share. For, secondly, the people in our workplace, whether they are our colleagues or whether they are our suppliers or our clients, or our patients, you know, even our bosses, our friends there, we can share. Thirdly, it's the friends that we have. Whether we have our hangout friends we drink coffee with or we do sports or hobbies with or friends that we've known from school and lost touch and suddenly they come back into our lives again. It could be people who are actually in our community and our neighborhood. These are the people we can be missional with. And finally, even strangers that we meet for the first time. 
Now, let me tell you how I started. Many years ago, when I was a student in the UK, uh, I was taking a bus all the way from Oxford down to London, and I was seated next to a British lady. And at that time, you know, I just was the first couple of years in the UK, I didn't know the culture very well. And I was sit seated next to her and I, and, you know, I you know, struck up a conversation with her. I just, you know, in Britain, you know, people don't talk to each other on the buses or in the tubes, you know. They pull out newspapers and just read and read their books. Nobody talks to each other. But I just decided just to, the Holy Spirit said, just, just speak to this lady. So I just spoke to this lady. And I uh, asked her where she was going, whether she was going down to London. And she said, no, she was going to High Wycombe. Uh, a town in between Oxford and London. So I said, what were you doing in Oxford then? She said, oh, my husband is actually ill in the hospital. And so we, we got into a conversation and discovered the husband was really very ill. And I began to share with her that, first, I was a medical student. Secondly, you know, I, I believe, I can stand by faith with her for her husband to be healed. She said, I don't believe God. So I said, so look, okay, no, no worries, but I'm gonna stand by faith. Would you mind if I pray for her husband? And she said, if you like, you just can pray. And then as I prayed, the Holy Spirit asked me to show a scripture to her. So I showed her 1 Peter 5, 7, cast all your cares on him for he cares for you. And then the Spirit of God just came upon her. And uh, I said, you know what? God loves you. We're gonna share the gospel. And before she got off the bus at High Wycombe, she had given her heart to Jesus. That was my first ever British convert. You know, and uh, <laughs> first ever. I, you know, when I went back and shared with all my friends in, 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 in university, they said, they're absolutely shocked because these sort of things are not done. You know, you don't share the gospel with some stranger. But this is, this is, this is up about striking a conversation, just going near. And about two years ago, Pastor Nancy and I, we were, we were flying into Brisbane. And uh, we seated next to uh, an Indian girl. And uh, that Indian girl, we, we, you know, we just got con talking to her. We found out she was... Uh, a Sikh girl, a Punjabi, she was from the city of Amritsar in India. Now, Amritsar to, to, is, is a center of Sikhism. Just like, you know, if a Jew comes from Jerusalem, you know uh, what he believes in. It's like, you know, Varanasi and Benares are to the Hindus. Uh, it's like Mecca is to the Muslims. So it's, it's a center of Sikhism. And as we were sharing with her, uh, Nancy just realized that maybe there's some hints from a conversation that maybe she was open. And so she shared the gospel with her. And she gave her heart to Jesus before we landed in Brisbane. And we've been in contact ever since, up to, that, up to this time. And in fact, she might actually be watching this online service right now, all the way from Amritsar in India. And so these are the beginnings. How else do we begin to share? Well, what about people who we work with in the workplace? Well, one of the best ways of sharing, you know, of going near and, and, and following up is to, to strike a conversation through gossip. How many of you are good at gossiping? Don't put up your hands. <laughs> but I encourage you that you can gossip the gospel. This is how the people in the New Testament did. Wherever they went, they were gossiping the gospel. The ladies at the well, they heard about Jesus. They said, Have you heard of this Jesus? He's in the other town. Somebody got healed. And they, well, I've never heard of him. More. Well, I hear he's going to pass this way again. Just gossiping, just dropping kind of hints about the gospel. And one of the best ways of doing that is in the workplace. People, you know, when you go back to work on a Monday, tomorrow, people ask you, how was your weekend? You can ask your friends, how was your weekend? They'll say, oh, we went south. My boyfriend and I went south. We had a great time. Then they'll ask you, how was your weekend? Well, they'll say, I went to church. They're like, now they're a little bit sorry. They ask you, what happened to your weekend? <laughs> and, then, you know, and you know, there was a funny guy from Malaysia. Oh, wow, man. They're like, this is like, they're rolling up their eyeballs. But never mind, they're your friends. And they asked you what you did. So you have every right to tell them, Amen. 
You just say, you know, after that, you know, I went to pray for my aunt. She had a bad ankle. And, you know, and this morning my aunt rang me that she was healed. You know, she ankle's much better. Now they are really regretful. They ask you what happened during the weekend for you. You've deposited the seed. You gossip. And they say, well, you know what? I don't believe in all these things. They'll tell you, you know, but I'm glad it works for you. You know, change the conversation. They'll say, have you watched the latest Netflix your movie? And they'll change the conversation. But never mind. You deposited it. And they know what you stand for. They know you believe in miracles. They know you love Jesus. Somewhere along the line, you don't have to shove it down all the time. From time to time in conversations. One day, you're having lunch with one of them. And they'll you know, say, you know what? Maybe your friend is Mandy. Let's assume that she's Mandy. And you say, oh, Mandy, you look a little bit down today. Yeah, you know, doctor gave, yeah. It's, it's nothing. It's just a family matter. But it's something to do with your family? Yeah, doctor gave my mom a bad diagnosis. Oh, really? Okay. And she said, no, you know, you, you, you're always praying for all these kind of healings. Well, don't forget to say something to the old man up there when you go to your church on Sunday, will you? <laughs> Maybe light a few candles for my mom. You know, I don't believe in this, but you can light. Said, oh, I don't mind praying for your mom. In fact, Mandy, I, could I pray now? <gasps> no, I mean, we're in a restaurant for goodness sake, you know. <laughs> yeah, I can pray now. I, 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 I don't believe in this thing. I, I don't have to pray. No, you don't have to pray. I, I, I'll pray. Really? Uh, uh, do I have to shut my eyes? No, you don't have to shut your eyes. No. I, I'll just pray for you. Uh, make it quick. You know, I'm in a restaurant. <laughs> so, dear Jesus, I just pray that you will bless Mandy's, bless the family. Lord, I pray that in your will, in your time, you will heal Mandy's mother. And you just, just pray with you, as naturally as you can. You open your eyes at the end of a prayer. And Mandy's got tears in her eyes. You saw the gospel. You know, it's the next step after that to begin to share the gospel at some stage. Maybe not then, but some stage in the future. So, the first thing to do is go near. Everybody say, go near. Philip ran to the chariot. He went near. Here's the second thing that we must learn to do. And the second thing we learn to do is to overtake. Everybody say, overtake. And this is what Philip did when he, when he went in. He, he overtook, you know? He overtook. And we, we, we know that. So the Spirit said to Philip, go near, overtake the chariot. So Philip ran to him, heard him reading the prophet Isaiah and said, do you understand what you're reading? And the man said, how can I? Because, you know, unless somebody guides me. Do you understand what you're reading? He began to open the conversation. Going near is when you change gear in your relationship and your conversation. You change gear and you bring up the gospel. Now, this is probably the most terrifying part of our, of our relationship. Many people are absolutely terrified of changing gear. I'll tell you why it is very important. Many people say to me, you know, Pastor Philip, um, when you build a relationship with a person, would you always have to build a relationship with just like, you know, sharing the gospel? I said, I do. Most times I do. Not every time, but most times I do. Why is that? Why can't you just build a relationship and love the person for the sake of loving the person? I said, I do. I do love the person for the sake of loving the person, but I do more than that. They said, what do you mean? Well, let me ask you. What is the most important thing that you have in a friendship and a relationship? Is it your money? It's your gifts? It's your health? It's your love for them. They are all important. They're great. But the most important thing you have to give in a relationship to another person is Jesus. Can somebody say amen? amen? So if I build a relationship to give the very best that I have, the, the very best, how can that be hypocritical? You see, when we overtake, it will tell us one thing. Do we value the relationship more or do we value the gospel more? Actually, we value both. We must value both. But if we value relationship for the sake of relationship, we will always fear to share the gospel. 
because we would think the relationship is far more important than Jesus. And so you have people who always have circled this relationship. They've been going on for the last five, 10 years. They never share the gospel. When you do that, it tells you that you have posed a value judgment on the relationship, that that relationship is more important than Jesus. You must have both. But ultimately, the key to missional relationship, the key is Jesus. Somebody say amen. amen. It's the gospel. Let me give you three quick examples of how this came about. Try to give you practical handles. The first example, uh, how this came about, was a friend uh, uh, you know, in, in my city who, who was... Uh, who was very good in designing, and we became friends. Uh, he designed a lot of things uh, for us, but he was, he was an excellent designer, and the reason why he was uh, so good was because he was a perfectionist. And because he was a perfectionist, people found it very difficult to work with him. The builders, contractors found it very difficult to work with him. He was not an easy man to get along with, but we formed a, a relationship. And, uh, you know, we, we had dinners together and that sort of thing. Uh, you know, it was not like the closer relationship, but we had a mutual respect for each other. And, uh, but because of his high stress that he placed on himself, because of his perfectionist tendencies, he always, get, he always got bad gastric problems. Uh, and then, you know, one, I, I threw everything I could with him, at him as a doctor, but nothing healed him. Uh, and then one day he, he started bleeding. And it was a, a crisis moment in his life. Uh, then, uh, you know, I, I, was, I said to him, you know what? I can't help you anymore. That's the best I could do. And then I said it because of the relationship. I said, but Jesus can heal your life. He was like quite upset. He says, how? I said, I can pray for you. He said, not here because this is public space. Uh, so I said, can I come to your house? He said, yeah. I went to his house. He had a studio next to his house, a working studio. I walked in. Everything was in its place. Perfect. He said, now, pray. <laughs> Challenge. So I laid hands on him. I said, don't mind if I lay hands on him. I said, oh, go ahead. And as I, as I laid hands on him, Holy Spirit came down. He started crying. And he said, I don't know why I'm crying. I've never cried before. And it's true. He rarely even cried. Even when his parents died, he, he, he had rarely cries. But God was going deep into his life. And he was looking for his tissue box. You remember he's a perfectionist. The tissue box is always at the bottom right-hand corner of the table. Always. But it wasn't there that day. So all the snot was coming down and everything else, and he was crying. And I said, you know why you're crying? Because you've come home. <laughs> he started crying even more. <laughs> Gave his heart to Jesus that day, and then he was the world's famous evangelist after that. He went to his work sites and all his construction sites and all the building sites, and he would tell the builders, have you received Jesus? They would say, no. So come with me to church this Sunday, okay? <laughs> so he, he began. I'll tell you another story of a man who came into my clinic. He had a bad cough. He was a businessman. And uh, I was listening to his chest, and he was under huge stress because he was a businessman. And uh, he said, can you refer me to a psychiatrist? I had a relationship with him, you understand? For, 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 for many uh, years. He said, can you refer to me as a psychiatrist? I said, for some reason, Holy Spirit again. I said, you don't need a psychiatrist. Uh, you know, I think Jesus can heal you. Oh, you got quite upset. Now, I know you must be careful when you do this if you're a doctor in, in, in Australia, but... I'm in Malaysia, I've got more freedom, amen. <laughs> so, uh, so I shared that, and uh, he, he said, I don't believe in all this CRAP, you know, but doctor, so if you don't mind, just uh, you know, treat me for my cough, and he went off. He went back, told his wife all about this, this weird doctor there, and they had a good laugh, and the following week, for some reason, he came to my clinic. He was the first patient in my clinic. I walked in, 
he saw me. He said, hey, doctor, do you remember me? I thought to myself, who can forget you? <laughs> so he came, I, I said, today, my cough is healed. I don't want to see you for this cough, but I want to spend some time with you. Can, can I? I said, yeah, sure, come in. He said, oh, no, no, no. Um, uh, for me as a businessman, time is money, money is time. I want to pay you for this consult, even though it's not a consult, just your time. I said, no need, just come in. He says, no, I want to pay. <laughs> I said, pay, pay, just come in. <laughs> so I shared the gospel with him, and then he was there. This is what happened. He said, you know that last week you, you told me about this, um, what's his name now? I said, Jesus. He said, Jesus, that's right. Would you mind telling me more? So I shared Jesus with him. I said, you know, I said, I will share Jesus with you. He said, no, no, no. I want my wife and my family to listen. So when you've got time? I said, now. He said, no, no, they're at school and my wife is working. So when have you got the time? I said, Saturday, come to my house. So he came to my house. I shared Jesus with him. I said, would you like to receive Jesus? He said, no, we never make impulsive decisions. <laughs> so, so I said, well, when? So I, so I invited him to church. You know, he said, never go to church. So eventually, I persuaded him. He came. He came about half an hour late. And on that morning, an altar call was made. I happened to be preaching. And he came and gave his life to the Lord. Why do I tell you this story? Because for, for 10 years after that, he became uh, my, my chief greeter uh, in Skyline, my, the head of my ushering ministry. And you know, it could, be, it could be anybody. It could be somebody that God has formed a relationship with you, a friend that has come back into your life after a long, long time. You've not seen that friend. And the Holy Spirit says to you, go near, overtake because you have a relationship. Somebody say amen. amen. It could be members of your family as well. You, play. you want to give God a hand, kids, give him a big hand, amen. <laughs> it could be members of your family as well. You know, when I came to the Lord as a teenager, my father thought it was just a passing face. He never actually, you know. And when I tried to share the gospel with him, going near and overtake, you know, he just pushed me off and said, you know what, you know, you, you know I know more about scriptures than you. Uh, you know, I, I, I did the Acts of the Apostles and Luke in my senior Cambridge exam, so don't tell, tell me anything about, you know, the Bible. Uh, and I, you know, couldn't get through to him. My father was an avid golfer. He never came to church. Uh, he was also a big game hunter. So in the weekends, he would be big game hunting or golfing or doing something else. He never came to church. I only saw him come to church three times in his life. The first time, uh, you know, well... He tells me there were only three times, okay? The first time was when he got married. The second time when I was baptized as an infant. I've been baptized as a believer since then. And the third time was when I had a small part in a nativity play as the innkeeper. <laughs> and you know, this is what happened. I had one line, one, just one line. And Joseph and Mary would knock at the door and there was an innkeeper to open the door. And I'd say, there's no room in the inn. And I shut the door. <laughs> and he came to watch me. You know, I was eternally grateful, but he never went to church. And then one day, he came to visit me. He lived in Penang, so he came to visit me in Kota Kinabalu. And I said, you know, we're having a church retreat. Would you come up with us, Dad? And he said, no. I, I never go to these retreats. You guys all go. But eventually, I persuaded one of my friends to persuade him. And my friend was a golfer. He said to my dad, Uncle, no need to go. go and, uh, he says, Uncle, you don't have to go attend any of the meetings in the retreat. We just play golf at a retreat. And there was a beautiful 6,000 feet golf course, you know, and the foothills of Mount Kinabalu. He said, play golf, I'll go. So he came with us, <laughs> loaded up his golf bag. And the next day, you know, the next day, he woke up at the crack of dawn to tee off. It was raining cats and dogs. <laughs> and he was pacing up and down his room like a caged tiger. And eventually, we persuaded him to come to the meeting. My dad has not been to church since that nativity playtime, you know? 
and he sat at the back and he was listening to the speaker. And I said, oh God, please make the speaker talk about God's love and welcome home prodigals. No, I just thought, and the speaker went up and said, today, the topic of my message is pride. There are a lot of proud people here. <laughs> and my dad was sitting there. He was like with his chin stuck out, like, hmm. He was, not, he was not giving way. And then he made the altar call, the speaker. He said, all those proud people, you need to give your heart to Jesus. Otherwise, God, God's going to break you today. Just come out. Well, what sort of altar call is that? I mean, oh. <laughs> and my dad didn't say anything. He would just stand there, stone cold. He was not moving. And then this friend of mine, I don't know for what reason, he went up to my dad and he said, Uncle, I think the speaker is talking about you. <laughs> and my dad stood up immediately and I thought my dad would punch him one in the face for his impudence. And my dad looked at him and said, I think so too. And he went forward. <laughs> How he gave his heart to Jesus. So guys, don't ever give up on your family members. Nuclear or extended family. Somebody say amen. And here's the third thing. When you actually go near and overtake, you must open your mouth. Everybody say, open your mouth. Turn to your neighbor and say, open your mouth. Okay. Open your mouth means sharing the gospel lovingly, clearly, and firmly. Just share the, the gospel. Okay? You share the gospel. Now, go near means just changing conversation. And one of the ways I, I, I share the gospel lovingly is, is like this. When I go near, I'll say, has anyone told you about God's love, the message about God's love for your life. And you know, they'll firstly say, well, there are only three possible answers. No, yes, and I'm not interested. So if they say no, I'll say, can I take one minute to share with you about God's love for your life? If they say yes, I've heard about it, then I'll say, can I take one minute to share more about God's love for your life? <laughs> so either way, I'm sharing, okay? The third, they'll say, no, I'm not interested. I said, no worries. I respect your views. You know, perhaps another time. No worries. So when I come to sharing, I open my mouth. This is what I will say. How do you share the gospel? One minute. One minute. Sometimes that's all you've got. One minute. So I'll share, you know what? Number one, God loves you and me so much that he sent his son Jesus to die for you on the cross for your sins and mine. Not for just your sins, but your sins and mine. Number two, today Jesus stands at the door of your heart and he knocks. If you open the door of your heart, he will come in. Number three, he will fill you with a new life, with his love. Number four, would you like to receive Jesus in your heart today? That's it, one minute. And, uh, and it's amazing what God does in this kind of situation. There are four responses. If they say yes, I'd like to receive. It's amazing. 30% of people actually say yes. I'll say, okay, can you pray with simple prayer? A, B, C. Uh, Dear Jesus, I admit I'm a sinner. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. I commit my life to you. If they say yes. If they say, no, I'm not ready. You say, no worries. Can I pray to bless you? They say, what's that? Bless me. I say, well, I'd like to pray to God to to give you good health and strength and make your family a loving family and hold you together. That God will always bless you in your job, to favor you in your job. Oh, okay, okay. I don't believe in these things. Okay, we want to bless I'm not ready. The third one, a group of people will say, you know what? I don't believe in this because I've got another religion. Oh, no worries. I respect your views at another religion. Maybe another time we can talk about it. You know, sure, if you want to. The fourth views. You know, I'm not interested. I don't believe in God. I'm not interested in all this, you know, and they may add a little bit of colorful language to it as well. <laughs> and even if they do, you say, you know what? 
I respect your views. What, what the stand you take? You know, and if you're ready for it, you can say, I'm so interesting why you don't believe in God. Maybe you could tell me why is it that you don't believe in God? Respect your views, open up the conversation. You can continue the conversation in future time. Do a little bit of your homework to how to engage this. Now, this is my way. Some people may say to me, Pastor Philip, I don't like the way you're sharing all this, you know. It's too simplistic. It won't work in Australia, you know. Well, I've shared it in, 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 in Australia before. I mean, just recently, about three days ago, we, was having, um, uh, we were having uh, lunch at a famous noodle place here in Perth, and you know, I was sitting down waiting for my family to get the noodles, and uh, another lady sat at an empty table next to me because you're so packed out, you know, we had to share tables, and I started a conversation. Exactly what I've done, what I've shared with you today. And I came to the point where I was about to share the gospel, and she said, oh, thank God, he said, praise God, you're Christian, I, I'm a Christian too. I said, that's fine. Then we started talking, and found out that, you know, she, she was facing some challenges in her life with cancer, and we ended up praying. As a family, we, we prayed for her, together with her friend. Well, you may say that it doesn't work in Australia, and, you know, it may, there are, you, pastor, you don't know the challenges that's in my my workplace culture is very toxic, and you know, public space here has squeezed out everything into a private space, and we can't even articulate, we can't even open my mouth to talk about God. Okay, if you don't like the way, then maybe find out your own way. But you must still be missional. Can somebody say amen? Find out your own way. You still be missional. I've given you a, a way forward. It reminds me of um, uh, uh, D.L. Moody. When D.L. Moody shared about the gospel, how he was sharing the gospel, a lady came up to him and said, Mr. Moody, I don't like the way you're sharing the gospel. It's too simple. It's too like lowbrow. You know what? It's, it's too simple and lowbrow. All right, said D.L. Moody. Madam, can you tell me how you share the gospel then? And the lady said, Mr. Moody, I don't share the gospel. I just wait for them to come to me. Oh, in that way, said uh, D.L. Moody. In that way, madam, I like the way I share the gospel better than the way you don't share the gospel. <laughs> okay, here's the point I'm trying to make, okay? Find your own way, but missional in your heart. Yeah. Let me close with a story and how the gospel, when you begin to open your mouth, the supernatural takes place, okay? Can somebody say amen to that? I close with a story about a house call that I was asked to make. And this was a bigger house with a big compound. And he knew this was a, 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 you know, a family that was in ancestor worship and all sorts because the, the compound was, uh, it was a big table there. It was during the winter solstice Chinese festival. And they had you know, suckling pigs, joysticks, all kinds of things. I went into the house. They had altars all over the place. And I was led up a grand staircase to the matriarch of the house. Went to her bedroom. And there she was lying on the bed. She was not well. I was making a house call for medical purposes, and she was surrounded by all her grown-up children as well as her husband. And she had diabetes. So when I came to treat her diabetes, at the end of it, I was packing my medical bags. The spokesman of the family, which was the eldest daughter, she said, doctor, there's, only, there's one other problem. I said, what is it? She says, my mom has had nightmares for the last two months. And you know, she wakes up every night screaming and she's hitting any and everybody around her. And I look at the husband, he had bruises on his face. So I knew this was... <laughs> This is serious, okay? And they said, do you have any medication for that? I said, I don't have any medication for that. Um, because, you know, these are, these are demons. Oh, they started laughing at me. You know, they did believe in spirits and demons. But they said, you're a doctor, you're a medical man. How can you believe in this spirits thing? I said, they're true because the Bible says so. Oh, the Bible says so. So, so you don't have any medicine. I said, no, but, but if you don't mind, 
Jesus, I can heal your mother, can help your mother. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> they laughed and they said, how can Jesus help my mother? Well, I said, you know, I'll try to, I'll pray for her. Pray, they said, okay, this is Cantonese. Everything is Cantonese, okay? How many of you understand Cantonese? Lift up your hand. Quite a few people. So just allow me to just go into it, just a short while, okay? They said, ah, so pray. I said, they said, pray. Pray, is it pray? That's all? I said, yeah, pray for mom. Come on. Go to my ketolo. You go and pray. Go pray for mom. So they, that's all. They watched me. And I prayed. I was terrified. I didn't know what to do. So I just broke out in tongues. <laughs> and that terrified them even more. <laughs> then eventually I thought, I better, I better turn to Cantonese, speak Cantonese. So I, because at least they know it's the name of Jesus. So I, you know, but I can't pray in Cantonese to save my life. My Cantonese is so bad. So, so I changed it to Cantonese, broken Cantonese. I said, Jesus, oh, Jesus. You assassinate and kill all these uh, demon, demonic spirits. And they're like, wow, what is this doctor doing this? And eventually I finish. Amen. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. I stood up, look at them. They looked at me. And they said to me, Hai kam toja. Is that all? I said, yeah, yeah, that's all. So the, the eldest the daughter was a spokeswoman, came out and says to me, so my mother won't have any more bad dreams, huh? What are you going to say? I said, ahem. Uh, <coughs> I don't think so. We don't have any bad dreams. I said, okay, okay. Doctor, so uh, how much are your fees? So consulting? I said, the prayer is free. Okay, the consultation just paying. Okay. So I went down the steps and she came downstairs with me and she saw me off at the door and she asked me one more time just before I turned to leave. She said, Doctor, I want to ask you again. Tonight, my mum won't have any more nightmares, huh? And I look at her. Oh, I'm now terrified. <laughs> I look at her, my legs were shaking and I said, um, <clears throat> no, no more, no more. <laughs> and then she said these words to me that terrified the life out of me. She said, in that case, Doctor, could you come back and do another house call for my mom tomorrow morning? I know what she's doing. She's testing me. I said, <coughs> <coughs> Sure, I said, sure. This is what I said. Uh, Can you come back to my mother to see my mother tomorrow morning? This is what I said in Cantonese. But when I got into my car and I drove away, I was terrified. I was crying out to God. I didn't sleep that night. <laughs> Next morning, I came back. I rang the doorbell. I heard the pitter patter of feet coming down the steps. And the door flung open. And she put her, pointed the finger at me. Straight at me. And I said to myself in Cantonese, I say, you know. <laughs> I've had it, you know. I'm in for the chop. She said, really? No more bad dreams last night, she said. I felt like saying in Cantonese, I didn't say that. I didn't say that. I just said, well, praise God. She said, oh, come, come, come upstairs. So she took me upstairs and there was a matriarch on the bed again. And when she saw me, she said, doctor, just, Doctor, come and come over here, just pray for me. Forget about the diabetes, just come and pray for me. <laughs> so I prayed for her. And as a result of that, I led her to the Lord. After she said the sinner's prayer, she looked at her husband. And she said, wait, Leila. 
What about you? And the husband said, <laughs> So she said, you know, it's me too. I will, you know, receive the Lord. And so he gave his heart to the Lord and all the children, all the grown-up children, because matriarch decides in that culture, they all receive the Lord. Okay. God can do the same. Who am I? I'm terrified. I'm an introvert. Here's the point. The Spirit said to Philip, you don't have to be the world's greatest messianic, missional guy. Be friends with everybody, but in the back of your mind, one day God is going to give you the ability and the opportunity to share. But you're intentional. That's why you're forming the relationships. And then one day, it may be a friend you've known very long time. Maybe a colleague that you, you know, you form a relationship for a long time. One day. Or it may be a friend from school that's come back into your life. It may be a neighbor you've known for a long time. It may be an extended member of your family. It may even be a stranger you're meeting for the first time. And suddenly, here's the point. Holy Spirit says to you, go near. Overtake. That's all you have to do. Go near and overtake. And then this is what happens. Open your what? Mouth. All heads bowed, all eyes closed right now. If today God has spoken that to you, I want to just pray. If you've never given your heart to Jesus before, this is the God who's one opinion in the whole universe and for eternity counts. He says, you are accepted. You are loved by me because of what my son Jesus has done on the cross for you. You are loved. Don't let this opportunity slip by. God wants you to open your heart to Jesus, His Son, so that when you do so, He will come into your heart, forgive your sins and give you a new life wherever you are right now. If today you say, Pastor Philip, I want to open my heart to Jesus right now where you are, can I invite you to say this very simple prayer to invite Jesus into your heart? Because Jesus says, I stand at the door of your heart and I knock. If you hear my voice this morning, open your heart. I will come in. I will. I will give you a new life. I will fellowship with you. I will walk with you for the rest of your life forever until you see me face to face again in eternity. I will cleanse you from your sins. If that's you, that's you, you say, Pastor Philip, I want to open the door of my heart. Will you pray this prayer with me today? Are you ready? You can pray quietly in your heart as I pray. Follow me right now. Father God, Thank you for Jesus that he died for me on the cross to take away my sins. Today, I open the door of my heart to you, Jesus. Come into my heart. Forgive my sins. Be my Lord and Savior and Master that from this day, I will walk in the newness of life. You are my God and I receive you because you have first received me. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All his power eyes closed right now. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, or you recommitted your life to the Lord this morning, and you prayed that prayer because you've gone away from God, but you recommitted your life, today you've come back to Jesus. Right now, where I'm standing, I'd like you to raise your hand. You all heads bowed or eyes closed. Just raise up your hand, wave it at me, and I'll acknowledge that hand the best way I can right now. You, if you did that, please raise your hand right up and wave it at me. If I don't see your hand, just wave it at me until I see it. Can I have a little bit more lights on? Yeah. And if you, if you did that, I see a hand over there. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Thank you. I see a hand right at the top. Thank you. 
I see a hand up there. Thank you. Yes. Any one of you, you prayed that prayer for the first time or you recommitted your life to the Lord. Can I ask you just to lift up your hand and wave it at me so that I can acknowledge you right now. I want you to know that God sees that. I see the hand over there. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you. I see the hand over there. Thank you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Now, if you've given your heart to Jesus and you've recommitted your life to Jesus, there'll be somebody here, here, with a team that we are happy to meet with you after the service today. And, and they will give you something to help you start your new life. Congratulations, because welcome to God's kingdom. It's the beginning of a brand new, wonderful adventure with Jesus. Can everybody give them a big hand for all those who've committed their life to the Lord. Thank you, Lord. And now, if you want to be missional in your life, if you say, God, I want to be missional. I don't know how I'm going to do it. I'm not very good at doing it. But I want to live my life missionally. I want to be intentional. I want to be intentional in building relationships. I want to be intentional in building relationships so that I have a bridge to share the gospel. If that's your desire, you stand on your feet right now. I'm going to pray as we close today. Father, I thank you for everyone here who's up on their feet. Lord, our hearts are open to you. Lord, we cannot, but you can. We don't have the boldness, we don't have the skills, we don't have the know-how, but you said, Lord, you will be with us and give us the words to speak. Your Holy Spirit spoke to Philip and told him to go near, to overtake and to open their mouth. And so we ask today, as our hearts are open to you, as we, we stay standing right now, Lord, just fill us right now with a spirit of sensitivity to hear your Holy Spirit, with a love from you, God, that will, that will overflow from our hearts to our loved ones, to extended members of our family, to our friends, to our, our colleagues and our friends in the workplace, oh God, to our neighboring community, Lord, and even to strangers you bring across our path. We pray, Lord, that you will enable us to go near, to overtake, and to open our mouth. From this day, Lord, we just open our hearts, we surrender our hearts to you. Holy Spirit, I pray right now, in this moment of surrender, fill each life. You see the willingness of our hearts. We're not standing just because we want to be part of the crowd. We're standing because we want to be missional and live missionally. And I pray right now, come into our hearts, Lord. Fill our hearts with that fresh unction from your Holy Spirit on high. That our lives may glorify you and that we will walk out. We will be willing to go near Everybody say, go near. We'll be willing to overtake. Everybody say, overtake. And finally, Lord, give us the grace and the boldness and the sensitivity to open our mouth. Everybody say, open our mouths. I pray all this, that you will seal it in Jesus' mighty and wonderful name. All God's people said, amen. Give the Lord a big hand. Amen.